This is Live from the Convent, Podcast 36. I told you before that me husband Donald was a fish when I first met him. That's something that he might not be used to. This kind of thing is normal in my life. Before we got married, in one of his last days as a fish, he took me for a trip under the sea. You'd never think it from National Geographic or from any of the colourful books about marine life. That fish are nosy pricks. And they weren't too happy about Donald leaving with me. He took me to the rock bottom. The rock bottom. To the wreckage. It was called Agamemnon. Doesn't like you. We sat down in the dining room of the ship and he put jewels around my neck. Must belong to the rich people in first class. I was breathing through his gills. All the other fish, they were spying at us from behind rocks and sea grasses. Donald's only ever been able to make one thing, and that's a fry-up. So, he went into the industrial kitchen and he rustled up fried eggs, rashers, black pudding, white pudding, beans, and hash browns. Delicious! Loved it. That's how he caught me heart. We spoke for hours and hours about our hobbies and about our dreams. And when I wasn't breathing through his gills, I was breathing through a saxophone. And he had his hole stuck at the other end. He was a gentleman. I was curious as to why he would want to give up his fish life. What about all his fish friends? Weren't they going to mind? Wasn't he going to miss them? He told me he could go to the sea any time and call on them. I told him he'd have to get a job in the real world above sea level. He was going to have to get real. And he said to me, we'll see about that. What I didn't tell him is that my father owned 
and ran a fish and chip shop. My whole family worked in it day and night. And it was the most popular in town because the chips would stick together with the grease. And the greasier the chips, the more popular they tended to be. I was going to tell Donny eventually, but I wanted to hold off. Because it could have been the case that we had tucked into a lot of his friends and our customers could have tucked into even more of his friends. When I eventually broke it to him, he actually responded in good humour. He said, are you cutting me? I said, I'm not. I said to him, I'm so sorry, Danny. And what we did was, we had a funeral out the back of the fish and chip shop. And we hung our heads for all the fish that had passed. And then, you wouldn't believe the turn of events. Donald became the best fish and chip shop server the world has ever seen. Because people like a bit of honesty, people like the truth served cold, except in the case of a fish and chip shop, they want it hot and they want it wrapped in paper. And who better to serve them fish and chips, only a fish, and anyone who stepped over the threshold at that place absolutely fell in love with Donald. They couldn't get over it. They couldn't get over that they were being served by a fish. And at first you could tell they were a bit guilty. They'd be looking at the menu above his head and they'd be like, oh, give us five chip, uh, two battered sausage, and um, and it would be on the tip of their tongue. They'd be about to give the fish part of the order. And it's very hard for Donny to blink as, as a fish, as an ex-fish, however you want to phrase it. And he'd be looking at him with his googly eyes and... They'd be trying to get out the fish order. They'd be like, oh, oh, yeah, two cod as well there, there, boss. Throw that in as well. Didn't the newspaper, the local newspaper, even do an article 
on him. Oh, the whole family were very proud of him, sure they were. And they got a picture of his face, of his fish face, next to a cod, a big old cod now, mind. Now, this cod, even though in the picture you think it was fresh, it wasn't. Because what I did was to make it look even tastier is I glazed it in ingots and honey and old oil and that made it look like a mighty cod a mighty, mighty, juicy, big Boston cod next to face a Danny and just Whoever opened that page on the article, their mouth would start watering. Seeing his face and the cod together. Oh! The business we had off the back of that article. It was the busiest time in our lives. And we got a couple of other fish to work part-time. A few, uh, a few of his old friends, just to keep the whole, the whole thing going, the novelty of it going. Fish being served by fish. People came from all over, all different countries that you can think about. I'm talking about, oh, America, China, Japan. Ghana, Iceland, the Cayman Islands, or the whole lot. Let's not forget Wales. And then when he had to become a non-fish, there's only one way it could have happened and only one way it can never happen according to the history books. And that is under a shower a grease from a bag of chips. And this is all anointed by a chip shop owner. It can't be done by anybody else. And then what happens is the chip shop owner he digs his hands into the grease left over on the floor and he rubs it all over the fish. And the fish has a funny feeling. He goes, oh. And transformation complete. And before my eyes that Thursday, he turned into a bockety prince. He's not exactly, you know, an absolute classic beauty, our Danny. But he's, ah, he's a bockety prince. That's what I call him. Anyway, back to our dish. And the shipwreckage. So we were sitting down, me and Donald, 
and Monsonaway on the fry up he'd made or champing down on that bacon, champing down on the fried eggs. And this really cute thing happens to me when I'm eating fried eggs. So I like to buy hence the the yellow bit, the yolk. And it runs down my chin. Oh, Donald loves that. He says, oh, I wish I could see it in slow motion. I wish I could do that with my eyes. I said, oh. So we were happy away, minding our own business. But let me tell you, there was a god-awful guy who wasn't minding his own business. And that was an ex a mine from Donegal. He was disguised as a shark and he was hiding behind an old rotten piano that was to the right of us. What is it about people from Donegal they can't stay up there? They can't stay way up there on the left they're looking down at the rest of the country going oh what are they doing there oh i think i'll drive down even though we have all the same shops on the high street here oh i need to go down and investigate for myself donny girl's always in trouble donny girl's a bad boy anyway my ex i used to call him jaws because he could fit his whole mouth around me two-ton tits no word of a lie, never seen anything like her. And here he was, dressed up as a shark, at the bottom of the sea, spying on Danny and May. I wasn't one bit impressed. And the only reason, the only way I knew was him, was the fact that he was all the way down at the bottom, having a look. Because that's what they do in Donegal. They come down and they get up to no good. And there isn't one shark in the ocean, in any ocean in the world, that would be remotely interested in me and, and Donald and our fry-up. Not one. So it had to have been him. Well, there was a fisty-cuff session like you've never seen in your whole life. The two of them boxing the gills off each other. Oh, it was very rough. It was very rough. I was about to go up to the surface and dial for the emergency services. But it didn't last too long anyway. Because the shark had to win out against... Donny, the fish. But that's our water under the bridge now. One thing that I never tell you about marrying a fish is the day-to-day idiosyncrasies, we'll call them. For example, when it's raining, very hard and we're 
just after finishing getting our messages, all the grocery bits and bobs. And we're walking back with the plastic bags. He'll start to ride on the ground because it's fish brain, human body. So he'll start to splash around the puddles, fully clawed. And he'll be doing this fish mouth action where it's opening and closing, opening and closing. And everyone from the neighborhood can see him and me standing over him. And I'm mortified, so But that's Donald. Another thing he does when I buy satsumas in an orange nest and I'll be cutting open the nest to put the satsumas in the fruit bowl. And he'll start panicking. And I'll, I'll say, what's wrong, love? Why are you running away out of the kitchen? And he'll just point at the nest. And he'll say, no, no. And I'll be like, oh, you're scared that you're going to be caught. You're scared you're going to be caught. Then when he has a bat, what he'll do is he'll fill the bathtub to the brim. I mean, to the brim. And he won't even get in. He'll tip it over so that the entire floor of the bathroom is sopping. And the water comes spilling out from underneath the door into the hallway down through the roof. Oh, God, the amount of times we had to have the, the ceiling replastered and redone. I've tried to tell him. The floor is not an ocean, love. The ground is not waiting to be lined with water for you and your friends to have a swim in. Have you ever watched goldfish in a tank when you're waiting for the dentist or something like that? And the goldfish, they go up to one another and they stop. It's almost like their little orange noses are sniffing each other out, checking each other out or giving little goldfish kisses. Sometimes... He'll come right up to me. I could be sitting down doing our taxes or I could be driving or I could be... I could be in the middle of a queue at the post office and he'll come up without saying anything. And his mouth is a, a big awe. And he'll just 
push face where you close to mine. Just inspecting me. It's so embarrassing. But that's what you get when you marry a fish. End of podcast.